What's going on, everybody? This is George Kleefe, and it's episode 31 of Let's Grab Coffee. I'm here with Drew Green, CEO and president of Indochino, the world's largest custom apparel company. Drew's an award-winning entrepreneur, having founded Shop.ca, previous to Indochino, a multi-merchant marketplace, which is now owned by Emerge Commerce. And he's led entrepreneurial roles at several other startups that were eventually acquired as well. And I'm just really grateful to have you on the podcast, Drew. Yeah, no, I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, thank you for, for having us on. Love it. So I'm glad we can finally make this work. And I guess my first question to you, you know, given everything you've done so far, a lot of success, I'm sure a lot of challenges uh, you know, on the road, a lot of ups and downs. What got you into entrepreneurship and how did you find your way in, into commerce? Yeah, so, you know, I've just been really, really fortunate uh, in my career. I think, you know, worked with a lot of great people that have, um, you know, really produced a lot of success. But like you said, you know, there's certainly ups and downs to the to the path of an entrepreneur or the journey that an entrepreneur goes on. I think for me, you know, just at a young age, I really wanted to, uh, as much as I could possibly control my own destiny. And so, you know, whether it was in my teenage years or, or even at university, um, you know, really always found my way to, to opportunities to, to really start my own business, whether that, you know, was a health business I started in university or an entertainment business I started in university. Um, you know, frankly, part of that was also to pay the bills, but, but I just, I enjoyed that journey versus, you know, working for somebody else. And that's really translated throughout my career. You know, I think that any opportunity that I've gotten involved with, whether it's been you know, starting a company, working with other entrepreneurs um, to grow a company or, you know, board and advisor and investor roles, you know, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, what the journey is to creating and, and building a company. Mm, that's very interesting. Uh, I guess just out of curiosity, do you think having gone through entrepreneurship now and various segments do you think that entrepreneurship is something that you're just born as or is it something that you can you know gradually work on and improve over time well i think that's a great question i've been asked that before and i think my answer continues to evolve i I, look i think the the key characteristics of an entrepreneur is somebody that's you know able to to quickly decisively and with you know with passion solve solve problems and you know, another key attribute is their ability to, you know, handle risk and, and put risk, um, you know, in perspective as they as they go through their life. Um, and then the third thing would just be to have vision, right? To to not just see the next day or week or month or, or even year um, in terms of your life and, and what's going on in the world, but but to have a longer term view of things and. You know, I think some of those are innate. You know, you're certainly born with, uh, you know, some of those abilities or some of those uh, characteristics of the person. But it's almost like anything in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like the more you invest in, in, you know, developing uh, a skill that you have or a dream that you set or a goal that you set, you know, the better you will become at it. And I don't think, I mean, look, there's always the point zero zero one percent of folks <laughs> that you know, start a company in their early 20s and have massive successes, but that truly is the extreme edge case. You know, most entrepreneurs, it takes them years, decades, several decades to, you know, hone, um, hone their 
ability and also to be successful. And I think that's the journey you've got to sign up for, right? Um, mm. Because entrepreneurialism is a, entrepreneurialism isn't about hitting the lottery. It's it's really about um, you know a lifestyle and you know commitment to a bigger and a longer term vision that you might have as a person. One hundred percent. And I guess you know in your journey when you when you were thinking more long term and you were thinking about what to start, how to start. You know, for someone listening to this who might be in university, might be in school, how did you go about? really thinking of these types of ideas and getting yourself immersed into different ventures or initiatives later on? Well, I think that's another good question, man. I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, a couple things. Number one, mm-hmm. you, you need to set goals. So, you know, whatever your goals are, they're yours. And But too many people go through life without, you know, setting, setting the, the, the right goals or big goals. Um, you know, without planning what they want to achieve. And so I think it all starts with, you know, grounding yourself in, you know, the objectives and goals you have for your life. And then I think number two is the sooner you can learn what you're good at, um, I think the better off you will be. And so whether you choose a, you know, a career as a, as a lawyer or an accountant or a plumber, whatever it might be, um, or an entrepreneur, you know, the better. But learning what you're good at, you know, is super, super important. And then the third thing would just be being involved in things that you are inspired by. You know, and that includes the people that you work with, the industry that you're in, um, you know, the change that you want to see occur within the industry. Right. Uh, it's really important to have passion around that. Like, you know, for example, my first my first venture was in the was in the health and wellness field and you know, that's an area that I've always, you know, was really, really passionate about as an athlete. Um, my degree's in kinesiology. And frankly, I needed to earn money to pay for school. So that was part of the equation, too. <laughs> it was the right um, But I saw a path to, to earn, you know, great money um, to build a business, to impact people's lives positively. And frankly, to work my butt off to achieve, you know, the goals that I had at the time. And so I did it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that, uh, Drew, especially, you know, your points around one, finding your strengths. You said this previously as well, but like aligning, uh, aligning yourself with people who then fill those gaps or weaknesses that you have, but also sticking to things that you enjoy and just kind of trying them out, right? And I mean, it's through experience yeah. that you're going to find and, and, and actually execute things that you ideate. Otherwise, they're just ideas on a paper, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's totally right. And that first one about people is super important, right? Because... You know, just because somebody's a friend or somebody's super intelligent um, or somebody, you know, super supportive doesn't mean they're the right partner for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, you I, know, I guess that's a good question, Drew, as well, that we can draw upon is, and I got asked this by a lot of founders, you know, and when they're starting out their ventures, they're typically looking for partners, right? So say, for example, yeah. I'm in business, I'm, I now need to, to find someone who's more technical, maybe a software developer. How do I go about finding that? Do I leverage LinkedIn? Like, what kind of advice would you give on that front? Well, that's a good one. I think it it, it depends on the stage you're at. Um, I think in the early days of any company, you've got to be extremely, you know, nimble and and you know, really seek out and frankly sell, you know, the vision that you have to anybody that you get involved. Um, I just like to do things in in, in long term views, right? I don't like to hire people or partner with people without making, you know, a long 
long-term commitment to them or having them do the same for me. Mm. And that doesn't always work out, but at least I think you should go into it like that. Um, you know, uh, I think if you're just starting out your business, I think obviously the, you know, and you're, you're sort of early on in your, in your journey or your professional journey, look, I think your network is the, is the, the most important thing, right? right? Being introduced to people that can, can have a positive impact on the vision or plan that you have for yourself, for your business. Yeah, that's very true. And, and when you, when you talk about networking, I mean, there's so many channels now, you know, you and I got, got, I guess, connected through LinkedIn, shot you a message and here we are. And I think that's how easy it is today versus, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And, and that's a huge leverage. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And frankly, I'm not a huge networker, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't go out of my way to go to conferences or, or things like that. It's, you know, I've built a very, very large, but very valuable, um, you know, group of relationships around the world, but it really has, has come in my own style. Um, what would you, know, you say your style is? I'd be What's that? Like, what would you say your style is? I'd be interested to know in terms of networking. Like, how was that for you? Well, I just think it's, it's really been based on quality versus quantity. Got it. You know, I've got, you know, a lot of really, really close, um, you know, associates or people in my, in my close circle that I've worked with, you know, for 20 years and, you know, I rely on them. Uh, they rely on me. Relationships built on trust. And, you know, that's taken decades to cultivate, but I'd rather have, you know, five or 10 amazing people in my network than, you know, 500,000 that, that don't have value or that I can't have value to. You know, now that you do have a global network, you're saying, you know, you focus on quality over quantity. How do you go about maintaining those relationships, you know, now, now that they're kind of growing, really? Well, it's just really about investing the time, right? I mean, I've got, mm. you know, I've got 15 entrepreneurs that I've, I've chosen to work with here for what I think will be the next decade or so. Um, you know, it's taken me many years to, to find them and for them to find me. Right. And, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty maniacal in my, in my <laughs> want to focus. I don't like to waste time. Mm-hmm. Uh, time is a really valuable asset that we all only have so much of. And so, you know, I just really make sure that I make time for what's most important, including my family, right? I think. The one thing I learned early on as an entrepreneur is that you can become obsessed really easily. Yes. And, you know, that can be detrimental. And so you've got to have, you know, you've got to have balance. And I don't mean balance by, like, doing yoga or meditating and, (laughs) you know, which there's nothing wrong with. It's awesome. But I mean balance in terms of, you know, really understanding what's important in your life Mm -hmm. and making time for that. And whether that's your network or your family or the businesses that you're involved in or you've invested in or the own, your own business that you're growing you know, at a rapid rate, you've got to really balance out where you spend your time. Yeah, I mean, and, and on that topic, one of the things I really enjoyed about what you said once was, you know, you really have to enjoy the, the journey, right? As an entrepreneur, like it doesn't yeah. make much sense if you're just focused on the outcome. Like you, you could really have to enjoy the process as well. Uh, and I follow you on Instagram. I made this note before we started the podcast, but... You know, a lot of your videos and pictures are about your son playing ball and you're always there. You know, you show up despite running this huge, uh, you know, online platform uh, with Indochino. Like, how do you how do you go about balancing that, especially now at this stage of, of your career? Well, I, you know, I had to learn, right? I had to learn how important it was to do that. And I want to be able. 
able to look back and and say that I was at those games. And you know, I prioritize my de- my days so that I can do both. You know, if it means I have to wake up extra early or I have to work late, uh, so that I have the times to you know see my boys like this weekend play eight games, then you know that's what I'll do. Um, and you certainly like I think for any entrepreneur or for any you know CEO or executive, you could always work. You could literally you know work not a hundred hours a week, one hundred and twenty, <laughs> but you've got to find the time. And you don't want to have regrets, man, because to your point of what I said, you know it's really not about the outcome. It's not it's not a zero sum game, right? It's about the most rewarding thing will be you know, the time you spend going through the journey and the experiences you have, um, the people that you meet, the places that you go, um, those are the treasures, man. Um, everybody, if they put their mind to it, can be successful monetarily. Mm. But can you be successful, you know, in your own eyes as it relates to what's most important to you? That's the, that's the challenge. Yeah, no, and, and you know what, what, what kind of... Uh brings to mind as, as you're saying that is, is, you know, the the unfortunate case and a very sad case with Anthony Bourdain, but uh, you know, someone who's amassed so much success, a uh, lot, lot of wealth, but you see it time and time again, when, when people do that, they, they, you can still be empty from, you know, the perspective of your personal life as well. And I think that's what people don't necessarily always focus on. So I'm, I'm glad that you're, you know, you're shedding light on that. Well, yeah, and here's the other thing is that, you know, you're going to make mistakes, right? You're not going to yeah. do everything as you want to. And, you know, you could miss some opportunities on the personal side or the professional side. But, you know, it's important not to be too hard on yourself and, right. you know, to, to carry perspective. Um, you know, that's one of the things I try to do as a CEO is bring perspective to whatever it is we're doing, mm-hmm. or whatever it is we're achieving, um, you know, so, so that people stay grounded. And what's important. Right, right. And, and, and one of those perspectives, Drew, I guess, in entrepreneurship and something you allude to often is uh, risk, right? And I, I think one of the things you said, which really resonated with me, is you said, you know, risk isn't starting a company and following your dreams. That's a privilege. Uh, risk is really an illusion. So how do, you, how do you adjust your perspective in dealing with risk when you're pursuing entrepreneurship? Well, I think there's a couple points to that. I think, you know, number one, um, you know, really being able to set yourself up to, to be able to deal with risk and to manage it. Right. Um, because, you know, it can become overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there can be, you know, huge potholes as you go through, you know, your life as an entrepreneur or, or your life in general. And, you know, the support system you put in place, the, the people that you, um, you know, provide support to and provide you support, um, you know, Basically, the infrastructure that you put around yourself can really help you manage it, but it's also state of mind, right? I think right. what the quote, the quote you're referring to, you know, one of the things I talked about is, you know, uh, look, at, you can get a job at an amazing company mm-hmm. and do an amazing job and still lose that job. Right. Um, there is risk in anything, um, and uh, kind of really understanding that and really understanding how to mitigate risk as you go through your life is super, super, super important. And, um, you know, if, if, if you do it well, then risk is just an illusion. I love that. If you can, you know, if, if we can sort of go back to when you first 
uh, opened your eyes on Indochino. You're making that step forward, that transition. You know, you're carrying that quote unquote risk. Um, what was going through your mind? Like walk me through your, your mindset at the time. What did you want to, to get out of it? And what did you see, you know, going into that uh, pursuit? Yeah, in particular within the Chino. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd really like to touch on that because it's, it's so interesting how, how much it's grown since, since you've joined. And I, I just want to really see, like, what was in your mind? Yeah, I mean, look, I, the, the, the honest truth is that, you know, Indochino was a, an amazing concept um, that had a ton of potential but was in a very, very bad place. You mm. know, it had, it had lost a tremendous amount of capital. It wasn't growing. Um, but yet, there were some key attributes to the business that I felt were extraordinary. And if executed upon, you know, we could build a market leader in a very short amount of time and we've, we've proven to be able to do that. To be to take you back to that time, it was a it, it was one of the biggest risks. It was one of the most risky um, sort of decisions I've ever made. You know, the capital, uh, or excuse me, the company was undercapitalized. Mm. Uh, the company was losing a ton of capital, uh, a ton of money, and you know, I really needed to come in and be decisive. And you know, we had three or four things that we needed to accomplish in that first year. And, you know, we became maniacal about accomplishing those things, everything from capitalizing the company to re-engineering the supply chain um, to resetting, you know, the cost structure of the business um, to increasing media three or fourfold. You know, all those things were very, very decisive moves that we made in order to create what, did, what is now the largest, you know, custom apparel company in the world. And what are you most proud of? Like, if you look back at, um, you know, at, at that kind of growth spurt, what, what are you? What are you really most proud of? Was it, you know, just turning this this story around? Was it the growth phase? Was it raising hundred million plus uh, to really get it to where it is? What would you say that 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 actually is for you? I think so far, what I'm most proud of is the team mm. and what you know the what we've been able to do with the team. We've got you know almost 700 employees now. Wow, we'll have a thousand thousand by the year by the end of the year. And a lot of the folks that, you know, we had in what I call fairly junior uh, individual contributor roles, you know, I, I, I instilled a lot of trust in mm-hmm. and I took it upon myself to partner with and, and make mm-hmm. successful. And a lot of people have stepped up. I think we've had over 200 promotions wow. in the last four That's years. Amazing. We've had, yeah, we've had folks that have gone from, you know, sort of the, the, the lowest levels in the company to be managing people now um you know our executive team is constantly evolving and maturing um and we've got we've got something really good as it relates to people and culture and that's that's probably what i'm most proud of so far i mean the the company is has you know this year will be six times bigger than it was when we took it over uh from a revenue standpoint (laughs) third year of even a positive results that's all great but when I look back at this journey so far, it's, it's really about, you know, the, the, how we've cultivated people, um, how we've given people opportunity, how they stepped up, and, and the culture we've built around that. And, and what are you looking for primarily in your leaders, like the ones actually, you know, running the business? And to your point, team is everything. So what is it that you look for in others that, that you see could be one day, you know, visionary leaders such as yourself? Well, I look for people that work hard. You know, I think that nothing great can be 
be achieved without that basic. I think you can be smart, uh, you can be, um, you know, extraordinary in your in your intelligence and your skills. Mm-hmm. But unless you're willing to work hard, um, you won't you won't achieve extraordinary results. I just don't 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 believe it. Don't see it. Uh, and don't think that it exists without without hard work. So I look for hard work, hard workers. I look for people that are willing to, you know, to go after their own dreams and their own, um, you know, and, and contribute to the dream that we might have together. And, you know, I think that the third thing would just be, um, there has to be something about somebody that I admire. I don't know how to describe it more basic than that, but, you know, I, I think everybody on my management team and a lot of people in the company, if not everyone, you know, there's something that I admire about them. Yeah. And it could be something, you know, as small as, you know, what they do with their spare time to a skill set that they have that I don't have, you know. So it's almost I, that feel, I, like that intuition, yeah. int- intrinsic, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. Something you can't necessarily quantify. Interesting. That's right. Well, I appreciate those insights. Looking back as well, you talk a lot about patience, right? The importance of patience, you know, embracing it. And, and I think, what you know, when you kind of look back at, at your sort of journey, um, the, the, how important it was for you. Uh, if you look at a, a lot of entrepreneurs today, especially ones who are aspiring to be uh, successful entrepreneurs, especially millennials, you know, my own generation, sometimes patience is not something we're extremely strong at. Um, but something I think that's that's super important, you know, especially, yeah. you know, given just the landscape, like how easy it is to raise money now, how easy it is to connect with people. We just want things now. We want things quickly, uh, you know, at the tips of our fingers. So what yeah. what kind of advice would you give and, and maybe what lessons did you learn, you know, in, in your sort of training for patients? Well, I think I think you, you, you kind of nailed it with, um, you know, the current generation and what I see, you know, as somebody that has, you know, employs hundreds or have, has employed thousands of them. Yeah. I think it's really important to have perspective going back to that word and, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that, you know, the biggest goal and dreams you can set are, are those that last a lifetime. And, you know, I think too often folks get caught up in the, you know, how am I progressing in six months or, or a year? What's my title change? You know, um, I would focus on building, you know, your skill sets. I would focus on, you know, learning. I would focus on, you know, really, really setting out your, your dreams and your goals and then plans around them. Mm-hmm. That's so much more valuable than, you know, perhaps how much money you make currently. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, like if you have a job where you're learning a ton of amazing things, you're working with great people, you're you're getting, you know, experiences that others you know, could only dream of, and then you might move to another job because they give you, you know, an increased title or $10,000 more a year or $20,000 more a year. I've seen that mistake so often. And, you know, that can, those types of decisions can set you back, right? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of goes back to, like, you know, setting out your objectives, setting out your goals, knowing what your dreams are, and then really devoting your life towards them. Um, and then going through that journey and knowing that it's not going to happen in a week or a month or 10 years, you know, it's a lifelong journey. 
Love it. Love it. Before we wrap up, uh, Drew, I, I do want to ask, I have two quick questions for you. The first is every yeah. powerful leader always has this weird morning routine. For some reason, I, you know, it's either they wake up at 5 a.m., they're, you know, running on on the treadmill or doing something interesting that kind of piques my interest. I'm just curious to know, do you have, you know, uh, a morning routine that works for you? I do. I, you know, I have a night routine that's probably more prevalent. Like I, okay. I, you know, I'm maniacal about my calendar and how I how I plan my days and um, you know doing what I call completing. Okay. Um, you know, I don't like to leave uh, things open. I like to, to see things through. And you know, so every night before I go to bed, um, you know, I clean out my inbox. I don't have at any in any given night. I'll never have more than ten unanswered messages, and I get hundreds of emails a day. Um, everything is filed properly and my calendar is, is my life guide, right? Like mm. I've got a lot of responsibilities with my family. I've got responsibilities, you know, with my company in the Chino and, and, and outside of in the Chino. And so, um, every night I look at, you know, the next week, the next month, the next day, and I make sure I'm properly planned. Um, and I make sure my communication is tight, right? Like I don't, I don't leave, uh, emails unanswered like a lot of people do. Um, you know, for one reason, I just think it's disrespectful, but for another reason, if you know somebody and they've communicated with you, you know, you can take time to, to, to follow up with them. Right. Um, and so those are just a couple things. My mornings all depend on my calendar. Mm. So, you know, this morning, you know, I started at seven, uh, in the office, uh, which means I was up at five thirty. but I don't get up at five thirty every day. Okay. Um, you know, it really depends on what my day and my week uh, is set out to be. Got it. And the final question for you, sir, what is one book, you can have two or three if you'd like, but one book that changed your life? Well, that's an easy one. I bought the book and, and handed it out, you know, literally <laughs> thousands of times. It's called The Alchemist by Paul Ocello. Yes, sir. Um, I love it. You know, my yeah, my father gave that book to me when I was 19 or 20 years old, and it, it really just changed my life. And because of that book, I've traveled all over the world. Um, you know, I've set big goals and, and achieved some of them. Um, and I've learned to, you know, enjoy uh, this life and not just, you know, the fruits of your labor, but but actually enjoy the whole the whole experience. And you know, I've I've, I've recommended the book uh, literally tens of thousands of times, but I've but I've also literally bought it. <laughs> I'm sure Paolo's really grateful for that. But yeah, no, I definitely that that's that's on the top of my list. As well as the monk who sold the yeah. story, if you know Robin Sharma. That's another great one I think yeah. you'd enjoy as well if you haven't read it. I have not. I'll check it out. For sure. Well, really appreciate it, Drew. Uh loved our conversation. A lot of insights I know that my community is gonna take value from. So thank you very much for your time, sir. Yeah, thank you and, and congrats on this podcast and what you're doing and and I, I appreciate your patience in, in putting this together. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Cheers, Drew. Have a good day.